0: Welcome to the Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc. This podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. The emergence of COVID-19 has had far-reaching and wide-ranging impacts on the Canadian economy. Seventeen months into the pandemic, Equifax has a depth of data on the unique ways that Canadians, from individual households to entire industries, have been affected by and are responding to these uncertain circumstances. I talk with Becky Oates, Assistant Vice President of Advanced Analytics at Equifax Canada, to unpack the latest research on the matter. We talk about the Canadian K-shaped recovery, stimulus strategies, and economic forecasting in unprecedented times.
1: Sure. I mean, one of the, the biggest shifts I guess we've seen really is reduced activity. And if you think about how many businesses operate, you know, they often have supply relationships, they might be using financial credit as well, um, just in their day-to-day activities. You know, if you if, say you're a restaurant, you need to buy your goods from somewhere to kind of make your meals from or, you know, th- there's kind of that, mm. that ongoing credit relationship. And what we've seen is just far less demand for uh, new supply relationships, for new financial lending,
0: Let's listen in now. Becky, welcome to the Voice of Retail podcast. How are you doing this morning? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, I was looking at your background and uh, I actually was and spent some time not so far from where you went to university. I was in Newcastle-upon-Tyne up in uh, northern England. Uh, I think you may, may know of it or you may uh, be from that region. Is that, uh, am, I, am I in the ballpark there?
1: <laughs> so I'm originally from uh, Yorkshire, actually, which is a bit further south, of Newcastle. But yeah, I did my uh, undergraduate degree from Newcastle, so I know it well. Yeah,
0: fantastic! I traveled all over. I went to a wedding there, and then traveled all over England and up to Scotland. And and so it was a wonderful, just such a wonderful place. Um, a little hard, a little hard on the rent a car though. That wrong side <laughs> of the road driving. That was a little hard for me on the. <laughs> Wrong side of the road. All right, well, listen, uh, let's jump in. I've kind of already jumped in, but let's talk a little bit, first of all, uh, about you, um, what you do, who you are, how you came to do what you do, and uh, exactly what you do at Equifax.
1: Sure. So as you as you mentioned, I'm originally from England, which you can probably hear from my accent. So my family and I moved over to Canada kind of middle of 2017. Um and that was actually for the role here at Equifax. So mm-hmm. my background, I've always been in data and analytics, um primarily in the credit and finance industry, although I've worked with kind of government agencies and telcos and utility companies as well. Um I guess background-wise as a child, I always loved numbers and puzzles, mm. so I've always been a bit of a maths geek. Um, <laughs> that's the best way of describing mm. it. So uh, my role within Equifax is that I head up our analytics and data science team. Now, that that's kind of sounds like quite a fancy title, but what it really mm. means is we take data and we turn that into insights and solutions to help both consumers and businesses um, kind of with their decisioning, and that's, that's really what we do day to day.
0: And and when you came over from uh, is, was that a, a similar what what brought you to Canada what was that just a natural career progression or did you always want to go to a cold climate <laughs> what, what, what is it that attracted you to the Canadian opportunity.
1: do you know what the summers here are really hot um so we always wanted to to kind of work abroad so you know classic in england people tend to look at canada and australia australia has far too many spiders for my liking um so so canada canada we came over in 2016 and just fell in love with the country so that's Mm. really what what kind of brought us here uh
0: well let's talk about equifax i mean certainly a familiar name Uh, to the listeners, to the retailers listening. But, you know, like many things, you may know the name but not know the full scope and scale and everything. So unpack for a few minutes uh, all about Equifax and and what it does and the global footprint and all those great things.
1: Sure. So here in Canada, I guess people will know us as being one of the two credit bureaus. Um, So that's kind of what most people uh, think of when they think of Equifax. They think of credit scores in particular, but actually our reach is kind of far greater than that. So we are a global data analytics and technology company. Um, and we really play an essential role in the global economy by helping financial institutions, companies, employers, government agencies to make kind of those critical decisions with, with greater confidence. So, we're headquartered in Atlanta in the US, um, but globally, we have kind of 11,000 employees. We're mm-hmm. in 24 countries. You know, It's quite a big mm-hmm. organization.
0: Yeah, I had no idea. So this is why I love answering that question because I think of Equifax. I knew of it in one dimension, but I had no idea it was so big and so global and 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 all that uh, and all that stuff. I did know it was in based in in uh, Atlanta because I know your uh, chief security officer. He came from Home Depot. Jamil uh, came from Home Depot, oh, so it's a yeah. bit of a, a bit of a connection there. Uh, he spoke at a, uh, a loss prevention conference up here. Uh, in Toronto a couple of years ago. All right. So you've just put this uh, study out and uh, there's a lot to unpack here. So let's, let's get started. I mean, first of all, I mean, you, you described the K economy. I'm familiar with what the K recovery, K shaped recovery looks like, but maybe not all listeners are. So why don't you talk about what a K recovery uh, from an economics perspective looks at, and then we'll start peeling back the onion, so to speak, and and get into the, to the survey.
1: Sure. So, put really simply, um, a K-shaped recovery is something that can occur after a recession or some large event in an economy. And it basically just means that there are parts of it which recover quicker or slower than others. So, in some areas, you may find they could recover very quickly and see growth very quickly um, and things kind of get back to normal or even even, a faster growth than before. Mm. And for others, it can take a lot longer. Perhaps you see some decline initially or it's flat for a while before that recovery really starts to come through. And that's where the name comes from. If you think about the shape of a letter K, it's kind of that splitting of recovery. And, and that's kind of what it means.
0: Oh, interesting. And um, I've also talked about it in the context of uh, l- almost a bifurcation and who recovers because yeah. the the um, perhaps a unique element of the COVID crisis is it's it's really divided, you know, for household income levels uh seventy thousand and above to pick a kind of generally random and not specifically random number they're doing better because they're not in the service sector and the service sector is really really being punished i mean in in retail some retailers are doing fantastic others not so much but in the service sector like restaurants and hotels it's uniformly not great right i mean that that's also the characteristic you think of I, I, when i think of the k recovery do you do you concur
1: or do you think of it that way as well no, absolutely. I think what's really interesting since COVID um, obviously started last year and all of kind of the last 12-month period, you know, even when we look at kind of the data that we see on the, on the you know, more on the credit side, um, you start to see that there are pockets where historically these consumers or these businesses have been really strong from a credit standpoint. Mm. And all of a sudden, it's a complete shift. Whereas on the other side, you're seeing some areas that actually historically were struggling and actually, you know, some of the the support programs, and we can go into some more detail, Mm. they've actually really helped and actually done the opposite and made those people in a much better situation. So it's a really interesting period Mm. where things are moving in ways which perhaps we haven't seen historically.
0: Well and and it's so interesting cuz you bring in government subsidies which of course here um go to the you know go into wage subsidies and and in America right they're getting $1600 checks at their front door it's a very interesting time as you say so mm-hmm. let's focus on consumers and 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 cuz you do talk about both consumers and businesses let's start talking about consumers i mean it it What's interesting to me as I've been watching things like the savings rate, which is a bit enforced, right? I can't travel, so my savings rate goes up. It looks to me like Canadians are kind of divided, but mostly writing down household debt, maybe writing down credit card debt, so leaving some open to buy, which is probably good news for retailers. Is that what you're seeing in behind the mass of analytics?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this really started uh, last year back in April time, that first big wave of lockdowns. That's when we really saw the biggest drop in spend on credit cards. We did see drop in payments as well at that at that point. Um, but obviously, with all of those lockdowns, people weren't going out to restaurants. They weren't going out and kind of buying the things they did traditionally. They weren't going out and buying new cars. There was a period where uh, demand for credit was was really low. And if you combine that, again, with some of the Uh, support mechanisms that came in quite quickly so some of the lenders were offering payment deferrals on things like the mortgages Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you had some of the you know some of the um, government supports like CERB and things like that that came into play as you mentioned those savings started to increase and what we saw was a flip in that actually consumers were paying off more than they were spending and that had a real positive impact in terms of that unsecured household debt that definitely started to come down um and it has been coming down for for several months i mean from from a retail standpoint i guess the good news is we are seeing that credit card spend start to creep back up again it's still below the levels it it was at Mm -hmm. um but again the payments are really coming through so in january for every ten dollars of credit card spend eleven dollars was paid off of credit card debt so we're still seeing people overpaying um compared Mm -hmm. to what they're spending
0: which, which you know, lays a nice groundwork, I think, for future growth because it creates just, as I said, open to buy on the credit card, right, as opposed to a maxed out or you know, a big a big uh, balance on the credit card. Are you seeing? And how did you see it? There, there. I talked to other providers more on the, you know, more on the credit card payment side, who, from a security perspective, and they were seeing such unusual behavior that it threw all their algorithms off in terms of security, right? That suddenly, people are buying you know, $500 online purchases where they'd never bought before. Any, any of that noise find its way into your data or is, is that kind of just factored in from your perspective?
1: Yeah, I mean, the data that we see tends to be um, more than month-to-month behavior of how, how a consumer is paying right. down. So, we're not right. looking at the individual basket-level transactions necessarily that that kind of are occurring. I mean, but again, we are seeing some, some different switches. So, we're seeing more consumers that are paying off their credit card in full, which mm. is a real positive, you know, less people are evolving a balance. So it all sounds good news on that front. But again, it's a K-curve re- recovery. And what we are seeing, although th- the vast majority and we're seeing overall, it looks like a positive picture mm. when you start to peel the onion, as, as you called it, and you start to look at, are there some additional pockets where consumers are still really struggling there are some. And, and, you know, again, they may not historically have been in financial difficulty. You know, they have been leveraging some of these support mechanisms. But yet, as they're starting to end, things like deferral programs starting to end, we're mm. seeing some consumers are unable to keep making those those payment commitments.
0: Yeah, it's it's that characteristic of the K. Now, let's talk about uh, let's switch the the. The conversation a little bit over to small business and medium sized business and and what you're seeing on that side, because I read with great interest your perspectives on that. Share that a little bit of that with us.
1: Sure. I mean, one of the, the biggest shifts, I guess, we've seen really is reduced activity. And if you think about how many businesses operate, you know, they often have supply relationships. They might be using financial credit as well, um, just in their day-to-day activities. You know, if you if, say you're a restaurant, you need to buy your goods from somewhere to kind of make your meals from or, you know, th- there's kind of that, mm. that ongoing credit relationship. And what we've seen is just far less demand. For uh, new supply relationships, for new financial lending, we're seeing uh, less activity in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the balance, the spend on some of those trades come through. Now, whereas on the consumer side, that's that's really positive for business, that potentially is a negative thing because it means that if they've got reduced activity, are they, you know, managing to get the revenue still potentially not. So, that's kind of the biggest shift that we've seen is that is that lack of demand for credit, reduced mm. activity. Uh, we've also seen some of the areas um, where perhaps we've seen a higher percentage of businesses going bankrupt. So, mm. Quebec is one where we saw that actually there was a, since April last year, they've had one of the highest uh, bankruptcy rates uh, across the country. Right. Um, and then we're also monitoring quite closely some of the areas that potentially have some additional risk going forward over the next 12 months. So, for example, Alberta Burt is always one where we mm. see quite a volatile economy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one that we're, we're kind of marching quite closely.
0: Well, you, since you brought it up, are you seeing any regional differences or sectorial differences that you might comment on you've already kind of commented on Quebec and Alberta anything else yeah. jump out at you
1: I mean I mean retail is a big one uh the service industry hospitality tourism you know even construction I mean we've all seen kind of some of the lumber prices um that they've been kind of battling on the construction side right now and that's obviously having an impact on on on, on that industry so um you know there are some that are continuing to to be in difficulty and retail is quite broad. Um, Mm -hmm. As you mentioned yourself, there are some uh, retailers that are are doing very well in this period, but there are a whole pile of others that are really struggling. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's really important because these businesses feed jobs and they, you know, they employ a lot of people. Um, So it's, it's, it it has an impact across the economy if, if, if they start to fail. How
0: do your colleagues on the other side of the building, so to speak, we're all working at home, but on the other side who do credit analysis, like typically for small business, uh, the cycle of uh, using credit, paying off credit, using credit builds up a credit rating. It, it, in the past year, there's there's been a lot less of that. How, how do they see that? Do they take that into account as they... You know, you would establish your credit rating through mm-hmm. a service like Equifax, or, you know, they would come to understand either your sector or your business specifically based on your, you know, your, your, your expenses and your paying and your paying back. Is, is that being factored in the big bottles? And, and how do you look at that in terms of how to project f- to help them help us?
1: Yeah, and it's it's a real challenging one because again, some of I think more so on the commercial side, some of those traditional risk scores they 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 still do a very good job. They're still very predictive. They rank order the right way. Mm. But as you mentioned, there are some behaviours where historically it's really you know it could be seen more positively, like low balance debt things like that, where actually that could be an indicator of the opposite now. So. Um, you know, our, what we've been trying to do is work more closely with some of those businesses to try help them understand their portfolio, understand who they're lending money to or they have trade relationships with and see, you know, what what kind of is a, a more holistic view other than just relying on kind of a credit risk score or something like that i think that's kind of the way you need to think about it is try and really understand the geographical differences the right. sectorial differences right now um and that's kind of what our advice has been for many uh, businesses
0: mm. so it's it's made everyone's job at your shop a little more complicated <laughs> but i guess i guess for someone who uh, grew up with an abacus probably uh up, looking up <laughs> from the crib uh you're loving it because it's complicated and it's not by rote right i'm sure you've thrown out a few models and recreated a few others
1: right yeah absolutely i'm not sure i'm old enough for an abacus but um, <laughs> well but <yeah>. you
0: know <laughs> it makes for a good toy for some let's talk about uh the future so turning our minds to you know coming out of the covid era which um you know thankfully the, the we're moving a pace not quite as fast as uh your home country but we're we're kind of moving a pace in terms of coming out of it from a vaccine perspective what's you know what's your forecast for the future what do you see in the short medium and long term and um, do you think there'll be a pent-up demand and this open to buy as i've said a couple of times will mm-hmm. will you know release the kraken and then suddenly the economy will flourish or is there must be there's inflationary pressures you've mentioned that too how do you put this all together and think about what's to come for the rest of the year and 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 even with a lens into um, the next 12 months
1: yeah. And I would love to have a, uh, a magic ball right now. Um, mm. Obviously, this this is unprecedented. So, we haven't been through a scenario like this historically. So, it, it's not something I can go back and say, let's analyze some data that's going to tell us what's going to happen. Um, right. I mean, ultimately, this is going to come down to consumer activity and consumer confidence. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, the good news is that there is that open to buy available and there's different methods for consumers to buy now. There's buy now, pay later coming into the market. There's a mm. whole lot of different mechanisms at play um, and credit card spend is on the rise. It's not as high as it was, but it is in, going in the right direction. Um, the challenge is probably going to be about that consumer confidence piece. And this is where I'm really keeping a close eye on what's happening mm. in other geographies. And you mentioned the UK there where we saw, you know, classic, I'm British, so I can say this, you know, we all like to go out and have a drink. So yes. when the bars and pubs reopened.
0: <laughs> that was the big everyone, headline.
1: <laughs> yeah, everyone sat in the rain in the beer gardens. That's what we yeah. do. Wonderful. Um, but interestingly, when you see a few weeks later, when they started mm. reopening some of the restaurants, you were hearing reports of these restaurants being empty. Mm. And in some cases, they were, they were really struggling. And a lot of that came down to consumer confidence. Um, I was chatting to a, a colleague in Australia who said, that their challenge right now is more the inner city business districts where mm. workers, the commuting population, aren't going back to the office yet and right. they're still working from home. And, and that's completely changing some of the, you know, economics in terms of, you know, all the support mechanisms, again, in those service areas mm. for that population. So, I think… I think it's really about about consumer confidence i think the short term there's still going to be those industries that are really going to struggle um because i don't mm. think the returns going to be as quick i hope yeah. it is but i don't think it yeah. will be as, as quick for some um i think longer term when you look at you know consumers have been amassing more savings they have reduced their household debt there is that potential for them to pick that spending up i think mm. the longer term outlook is a bit more positive but i i think there may still be some some challenges ahead
0: well, it's interesting we talk about England and Australia. One thing they have in common is they, they went to a voucher-like system where they gave uh, citizens $25 or whatever to, to go and enjoy a, a pint or go and enjoy a, a meal. Do you do you think that's a good stimulus approach? And in Canada, it's very different, right? In Canada, the approach is more uh, wage support for the businesses. And I think the theory there is you, if you give $25 to people who don't need it, you're not really – you know it's not really give it to the restaurants and let them survive do you have any an opinion i'm more in the opinion than an analyst analyst here but from an economic perspective do you see pros and cons or if you were let me ask the question differently if you were sitting in in ottawa and thinking about a stimulus package to make sure that we come out of this strong would you go one way or the other any thoughts on that
1: you know, I, I can only give my my, my consumer personal view, which mm. is, you know, if someone offered me that, would would that make me go to the restaurant? Um, answer is probably not. It, it, you know, if, mm. if if I'm not feeling confident enough, right. um, you, still maybe I would do. You, you still need that confidence. You still need th- that confidence back. Yeah. I mean, I do think anything we can do to help these businesses right now is is what we need to do. So you know, if there, you know, I think there, there needs to be some programs. We just need to make sure it's at the right time for the market mm. for the consumers that you know underline it. But again, that's just my personal view. Um, yeah. yeah you know personally i I also can't wait to get back to restaurants and eat (laughs) out again right right
0: it's kind of it's kind of the goldilocks moment right give give out some stimulus when people are ready to be stimulated i guess in in, from a confidence perspective like too early is is won't be effective and too late will be too late i guess um yeah i mean one
1: thing one one thing Mm -hmm. we did do actually locally um this was just the local community i lived i live in we Mm -hmm. actually came together um And there's a program whereby restaurants, you can basically donate money. The restaurants Mm. will pull together a package and give food to people who need it. Um, Mm. So that was one way that we were trying to help Mm. support. So there's little things like that in the community that I think are really helping. But again, I think there is a bigger program that needs to potentially be put in place. But what that is, Mm. I'm unfortunately not the expert on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Last economic question pulling back to what you are expert on uh, economic analysis do you, do you are you worried about inflationary pressures uh, on both we've kind of talked around about it but i'm seeing more i'm talking to a lot of retailers this week who are seeing inflationary pressures on things everything from pallets to containers and it's going to find its way into prices on certain commodities we've already seen it on you know lumber for example which is just bananas yeah. expensive do you think that can be a bit of a governor on the recovery or are you thinking about that today? And, and I know it's a complex model to even think about, but uh, give me a thought. <laughs> it,
1: it is. I mean, it, it obviously is a concern. I know there's some reports uh, coming out in which the inflationary uh, rise we've seen might be temporary. Um, some people think it might go a bit longer. I mean, for me, the bit I'm concerned about, if I was to point at something, would be interest rates. Mm, um, you know, right. we've seen a lot of consumers, yes, household debt's down, um, but you've got people taking on very large mortgages, which is, which is great, um, but at the same time, there has to be that balance between if interest rates change over the next year or two, have people put themselves in a position they can still afford to make those repayments. Right. Um, one thing we've seen the last quarter is things like HELOCs, so home equity lines of credit. Um, they're on the increase in terms of new HELOCs, balances are are, are the highest we've seen. So, Mm. you know, where you kind of have some elements in the credit and the finance world where it's variable rates, uh, payment commitments, that's just something to be really mindful of, um, particularly for consumers, but also businesses. If interest rates go up, what does that mean? Are, Are you still able to make those repayments? And that's the one where, you know, we saw in 2019 people got caught out on that when interest rates increased. So.
0: Right, right. Uh, Well, listen, lots of great information, this study, and I'm sure you've got lots more. Where can uh, listeners go to to find out more about the work you do and and stuff you publish and and learn more about uh, the work that Equifax is doing to try and help us all figure this out?
1: Yeah, So we we do have a wealth of information on our website, equifax.ca. We also have regular webinars, uh, blogs, press releases. So just keep an eye out for those. and, And there's always some good information in there. All right.
0: Well, Becky, uh, thanks for joining me on the Voice of Retail podcast and and a a belated welcome to Canada. Uh, (laughs) I hope you uh, continue to enjoy it. You're not enjoying the full experience for the past year, but uh, this too shall pass. So, uh, listen, once again, thanks for, uh, for doing all this work and joining me on the podcast today. And I wish you much continued success.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of the Voice of Retail. Be sure and follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify or wherever you enjoy podcasts so you don't miss out on the latest episodes, industry news, and insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating review, as it really helps us grow so that we continue to get amazing guests onto the show. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, president of Emmy LeBlanc Company, Inc., and if you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn, or visit my website at emmyleblanc.co. Until next time, stay safe, have a great week.